Hey there, I'm Shelly, a military wife and a mother of two, and I'm really glad you listeners are coming along each week on this journey of discovering what really matters in life from a biblical and a practical perspective. As you know, Christmas is just around the corner, and oftentimes it can seem like a stressful time, but it can also be one of the most wonderful times of the year, not to use a cliche so much, but it really can be an amazing opportunity to talk about Jesus, who is truly the reason that we celebrate this time of year. I'm excited for you to hear from people around the world. So as you listen to their stories and they recall memories that have been very special to them, I hope that you will be able to resonate with some of their memories, and if not, maybe you can make some new ones as you get ideas from them. Our first memory comes from Susan. I think the biggest Christmas memory um, that I have is going driving and seeing the Christmas lights and just enjoying the beauty of and creativity of um, people around our city. And I know I really enjoyed that as a young kid. I still do enjoy it. Being able to be with family, we always had a special Christmas Eve party for family and just did fun things and had, you know, special foods for Christmas Eve and then our traditional Christmas dinner, usually with some form of prime rib or rib rolled roast or something like that. But always just remembering that, you know, my mom and dad always tried to focus, make sure we understood that the true meaning of Christmas was Jesus Christ's birth so that he could come to die on the cross for us and to save, save us from our sins. And just a lot of special family memories and a lot of things that we can't do today necessarily, but just the memory that's there and you just can't ever... You can't replace them, and you don't want to ever forget them. They're just very special to me, spending time with all my brothers and family members, some who have gone on to their reward in heaven and had a nostalgic time of year. Our next memory comes from Etty, and she writes in our Facebook page about a memory that was dear to her. She says, I remember taking my daughter Becky to a Christmas tree farm outside Kansas City. We cut our own Christmas tree that year and decorated it with mostly homemade ornaments, including popcorn string. She was 13 years old. Fun memory of mother-daughter Christmas, she writes. Patty shares memories of growing up and feeling lonely around the holidays. She loved her church when she was little, but she never had any family nearby and grew up as an only kid. She says that her mom is from Korea, so she was always learning about American holidays. She says that her mom has no family here in America, and she made friends that became like family. They did get together on Christmas Eve and would all have dinner together. Patty says the only traditions they have for Christmas now is to stay in their pajamas basically all day on Christmas. They haven't found a church yet, but they would like to go to church Christmas Eve for a candlelight service. Micah writes, We don't have much tradition yet, 
as we are still understanding what fits our family rhythm best. We do, however, enjoy lighting Advent candles each morning, singing and reading from an Advent devotional. We have been trying to practice slowing down to remember Jesus Christ rather than getting lost in the go-go-go consumerist life that seems to be around much of Christmas now. Emily shares about her Christmas family traditions. One of our family's favorite Christmas traditions is decorating our tree. Every year, my husband takes my kids to the tree farm or somewhere, and they pick out their perfect tree, and they bring it home, and then we bring out all of our decorations and start decorating. My favorite part is going through all of the memories of homemade ornaments through the years and sweet memories from trips we've taken and collected ornaments. It is one of our favorite things to do every year. Avinette shares her memories. She says, at the age of eight years old, my mother became a Jehovah's Witness. We did not celebrate Christmas in our home. I went over to my sister's and aunt's homes because they always had gifts for me under their trees. My Aunt Etta would cook a huge pot of chipinow, ribeye steaks, and Caesar salad. She would serve it on a very long table on her lawn where at least 30 people could sit and eat. This happened every year on the eve of the 25th of December. That's my favorite memory. My aunt traveled frequently to Thailand. She was an airline attendant for Pan Am. So on those nights, I was also given beautiful gifts from Thailand. She would let me pick out what I wanted. Most of the time it was jewelry. Thai rubies, jade, gold, silk dresses, and underwear. Fun and loving memories. Avinette continues to write, Now I understand the truth about Christ and Christmas. No more Santas for us. Oh, and by the way, I make a big pot of chipinow whenever we are with any of our kids on Christmas Day, she says. Virginia reminisces of something that her family did a few years ago. They watched a movie about a family who lost their mom and money was really tight. So the dad saved up a whole dollar for him and his four kids. He put the dollar out in coins and they all drew names and the movie was about how each of them sacrificed with joy for the person in the family they drew. Some worked hard to add to their gift. Some worked to make something. But they all considered carefully what would be special for that family member. So Virginia says that their family has Christmas stockings as their new tradition. At Thanksgiving, they all draw names on who gets what stocking and they secretly work to find a gift or gifts that would bless the name they drew. Virginia says they were blown away by their thoughtfulness toward each other, like above and beyond. Their dollar amount is low, like around 20 to $25. So it's never about the money, but the thoughtfulness and care toward each other. So it's just a sweet way that they get to see their hearts. She is always looking to point to Jesus. Lucy shares her memories. So, as you know, I'm from Scotland. I'm from the Northern Isles of Scotland. I'm from Orkney. 
And I don't know if we have all that many like Christmas traditions that would be different to things that you would already know, um, except the one. So where I'm from in Orkney, we have a capital city called Kirkwall. And um, every Christmas Day and every New Year's Day, there's a, a specific game played, and it's a game that's only played in Orkney, in Kirkwall, on Christmas Day and on New Year's Day. And it's called The Bar, um, which just really means it's the ball, but we call it The Bar. And in this game, you've got two teams. You've got the Uppies and the Doonies, um, and the Uppies have to get the bar up the street to their goal, and the Doonies have to get it down the street or down the street to their goal. Now, the Uppies' goal is um, a wall on a certain... Um, on a certain building, they've got to touch the bar against that wall. The Doonies have to get the ball all the way down to the pier and then jump into the water with it. So the ball has to be touched by a man in the water for the Doonies to win. Um, and so your uh, your team is decided... It used to be that your team was decided by where you were born. So if you were born above the Market Cross, then you were an uppie. And if you were born below the Market Cross, you were a Doonie. Um, but now, because the hospital is above the Market Cross, it would mean that everybody would be uppies. So, so we have to go by what our um, by what our ancestry was. So for me, I'm pr- I'm proud Dooney, um, because my family is born below the Market Cross. Um, and so essentially, what happens is um, the bar is uh, it's it's like a medicine ball, although it's cork filled. I think it weighs about three pounds, um, but it's. It's the size of what you would expect, like a medicine ball to be, um, and the that someone selected from the community to throw the bar into this big scrum of men. So the men all gather together, and there can be hundreds of them that come out of the woodwork just for the bar. <laughs> it's their sport. It's what they've waited for all year, and so they um, they gather together. The boys have a bar in the morning. And then the men have their bar in the afternoon. So each team has essentially two opportunities to win to win the game. Um, anyway, so they throw the bar into this huge scrum of men and then it, basically anything goes to try to get the bar to your goal as long as it's not mechanical. So you can't get into a car with it and, um, you know, or anything like that. Uh, but there has been instances of like people hiding in telephone boxes while the pack goes past, and then they sneak out with it and manage to run to their goal. There's lots of tactics. Now, interestingly, like my family is not actually into the bar. We're always really interested in the outcome, but I've never actually been to see it because it's really dangerous. If you're a spectator and you don't know what's going on, you can be quite easily damaged. <laughs> so we um, we look forward to hearing whether the bar has gone up or gone down. But we've never actually taken part ourselves. But it's a part of our Christmas Day, nevertheless, because we always wait for a phone call to find out where the bar has gone. And my granny and granddad used to live in a shop that was just at the bottom. It was almost at uh, the basin, which is the piece of water that the 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 men or the boys would have to jump into with the bar. And so all of the shops along that street front um, and all the houses would have to put up um, like barricades on their doors and their windows to make sure this big scrum of men that comes past uh, wouldn't break the the windows and the doors and cause damage. So that's what I remember about Christmas time particularly is that the streets always looked like um, like they were preparing for some um, 
but some disaster because they were all covered with um, these big bars of wood. So you can still see in the windows, but there's big bars of wood on the front to prevent any damage. And then I can remember um, descriptions from other people, like from within the family who had seen the bar go past from an upper window and the steam that would rise from these these big burly men in that in the in the cold of a december day it uh, was quite spectacular to see um and so the last the last big bargain that i remember um was one where the chiropodist one the chiropodist i don't i think is it a podiatrist you call it here in america so the foot doctor um, who was a dunny had managed to get the bar into the basin, but he jumped into the water and of the sea, but the tide was out, and so he broke both his feet. And I think that the, it was the irony of the Coropodus breaking both of his feet to win the game that's really stuck out in my mind. Um, although I believe the Albies have been on a quite a winning streak for the last few years. That's always a shame. <laughs> so my family has never really taken part in the bar. I don't think we've ever had a member that's gone in for it. Because uh, music's more our thing, <laughs> rather than like a rough sport. <laughs> but, oh, the other thing I was going to say, and this might be an urban myth, but I've always been told that there used to be a women's bar as well. So there would be a boy's bar and a women's bar and a men's bar. But the women's bar was um, was cancelled forever because it was too rough. <laughs> so compared to the boys and the men, apparently the women got completely out of control. And so they're no longer allowed to play. Um but the bar game has been running for hundreds of years. It's lasted hundreds and hundreds of years. And the trophy is the uh, the bar so, the, itself. So they make a new bar every year. Um, and then the winner of the bar isn't necessarily the boy or the man who's managed to get it into their goal. It's um, often presented so the team will choose who's going to get the bar, who's going to keep that trophy um, forever, uh, usually by how well they've played in the game Um possibly that year, but other years as well, and then a kind of a long-standing participation in the game. And so bars, you'll often see um, bars hung in windows proudly um, displayed to show that they were the one that was presented at the bar and they won it. Um, and they'll have their grandfather's bar, their dad's bar, whatever, also in their collection, if they're, if they're that kind of family, you know. Um, but it tends to be that if they are that kind of family, they don't actually celebrate Christmas on Christmas Day because the bar takes precedence. So they might have Christmas dinner either the day before or the day after on Boxing Day. Christmas um, Christmas Day is actually spent they working with the bar. So... Um, yeah, so my family are never up for that either because this is on Christmas Day for us. So although we've never actually played the bar ourselves, um, my family do play another game, um, which is very, very tame in comparison, and it's called Tippet. And I um, I looked it up once, and there's actually a league, a Tippet league, that's played in Wales. So I'm not quite sure how we've managed to get the game ourselves because I don't actually know anybody else that plays it. Um, but it's played with two teams at a table and each team is sat on one side of the table and then there's a single button and one team starts and they take the button and everybody's hands go underneath the table on that team and they scrobble. So they scrobble a boot underneath the table to pass the button from one person to another and then when somebody gives the signal, everybody lifts their closed fists 
up on top of the table and then um, the first member of the opposing team has to try and guess which hand the button is in and so they'll go along the row and they'll you know they'll use their their psychological tactics oh is that person's hand a bit too loose oh is that one gripping too hard oh you know he's looking shifty we had it last time you know this time it was at the top of the table so it's probably gone all the way down to the bottom um and so they'll see uh, if they think that the button is not in the hand they'll say uh, show and take off in which case the the participant in the opposing team with their with their hands on the tables has to show whether or not the button was in their hand and if it's not in their hand and the player is right then they take that hand away and then the opposing player has to try and guess um again and then if they think the button is in that hand then um they'll shout tip it and if the button falls out of the hand onto the table then it gets passed to the other team and uh, the first time my eldest izzy who's now 10 i think she first took part when she was maybe two and she climbed up onto the table and the other team had all of their um, fists up on the table. Everybody was ready to go. And she just slapped one hand and shouted, tip it. And it was in there. It was amazing. It's, we've never seen the like before. <laughs> oh, I love it, Lucy. Thanks for sharing about the games that your families would play together in Scotland. Jessica says, Christmas also happens to be my birthday. A favorite memory is hanging the huge stocking I was carried to my mom in after I was born. They had checked into the hospital as Mary and Joseph on Christmas Eve, the coldest night of the year. Hospital volunteers had made stockings for the Christmas babies. We still hang it up each year. Happy birthday to you, Jessica, as you celebrate on Christmas Day, too. Deanna writes, that the memory that comes to mind is the simplicity of childhood Christmas. We had only a few, but very special gifts, which focused on the love of the giver. Of course, Christ was the center of all celebration. Our little church in Greeley had a Christmas program involving the children, and following the service, each child was given a stocking with apple, orange, in-shell nuts, candy, and small gifts. Certainly a lasting sweet memory for me, she writes. Terry shares memories about his Christmas. He says, There was never very much money, but Dad would somehow always bring home a plus ten-foot tree. That usually happened on Christmas Eve, as he could get one nearly free. He would take it to the basement first and build or nail a support stand to it, then bring it to the living room. Mom took charge from that point on, as the seven of us started to meticulously put on everything that had been carefully packed away year after year. We all loved this part of Christmas. One year was even more memorable, as Dad arrived with two trees that were both quite out of shape. Well, he took them to the basement and cut out the best of each, spliced them together to produce a relatively perfect tree. We had so much fun putting the tree together, and that old, cold, drafty house felt much warmer as we decorated. The house had three big, angled windows that showed it off to all the whole neighborhood. Hardly anyone had outside lights back then, but our finished display tree was as close as you could get. We still love putting up the tree now, and we do it early and take it down late. 
but those early memories of the family doing it always comes flooding back as beautiful Christmas memories, even better than Christmas mornings, and that was hard to do, he says. Gina shares her story. So I grew up in a military family. My dad served in the Air Force. And oftentimes we were not super close to our immediate family. So we would usually pack up our van just before the Christmas holiday. And we would drive about eight hours up into North Georgia, into the Cahutta area, and up into Cleveland, where we also had family up in there, um, just a short distance apart. We get up there and be able to see family that we hadn't really got to see uh, almost all year. Um, and it was just one of those things that we looked forward to every year. It was almost just that as if the family members never changed. It seemed oftentimes nobody ever aged. Um, and it was just about being together and celebrating the true reason for the season, um, the birth of our Savior. And it was just, it was a great thing that we all had shared beliefs and um, just getting to spend that special time together as a family um, was, was extra special um, because we don't oftentimes being in the military, get that opportunity to do it on a daily or weekly basis. So getting to do it around Christmas was extra special. Tammy writes that her favorite Christmas is a memory scene on the movie screen. It was 1953. I was three and my brother five. We wake up and run to our grandma's tree. The expression on our faces is wide-eyed wonderment and we freeze. Later, we learned what to us was the best Christmas to our parents was the worst. Everything given that year was made by them. They reconditioned his trike for me so it looked new. Jack received a new trike. I received a new doll. New pajamas were made. Grandparents' gifts were made. My mom gave me the felt Santa Clauses Grandma had on her tree that were about a hundred years old faded, but they hold so many memories of her. Even my kids love when I share memories of her with them as we decorate the tree. They are hung just below the star. Patricia writes, I'm thankful for an opportunity to share a couple of the traditions that I grew up with. One thing my parents emphasized was that we always give to others before we open anything for ourselves. A very tangible way to do that was that every Christmas we would go to a couple nursing homes and sing as a family the week of Christmas, both in the recreational room and then visit and sing a song or two for those shut in their own rooms. Then, when my husband and I had our children, we decided early on that we would tell them about the birth of Jesus and explain how the wise men brought three gifts to the baby Jesus to honor him. Other than a few stocking stuffers, we chose to give just three gifts at Christmas from us. One or two of them would be quite tangible, like the wise men gave gold, frankincense, and myrrh, but we chose carefully and minimally. It helped to take away the expectation of a lot of gifts and gave us opportunity every single year to remind them the priority of focusing on Jesus. Tanya shares about her Christmas. She says, We wake up every Christmas morning and read the Christmas story. 
We also go around the room and share what Jesus has done for us through the year. When my daddy was alive, we would make time to see all our family as much as we can every year. My dad and mom were divorced, so I had to make a huge schedule to make sure I see both of them. Janet shares about her Christmas. She writes, Hard to type in just a few words. We had lots of traditions when our children were in the house. We tried to use the holiday to share the gospel with others. We included tracts as we gave out Christmas goodies to neighbors. We had candy canes with a ribbon and small card attached, telling how the cane formed a J for Jesus, but upside down resembled a shepherd's hook, symbolizing the Good Shepherd. The red stripe stood for the blood of Christ, and the white stripe stood for the cleanness of heart we can have before God because of the blood. These were given to cashiers, anyone who helped us as a small thank you and always seemed to be appreciated, yet still opportunity to remind others of the true meaning of Christmas. The Christmas story found in Luke 2 was always read as a family before any gifts were opened. Christmas Eve, we would go caroling to our neighbors and again gave them tracts. We never included the stories of Santa because we felt it was a distraction from God, who really does see all we do, can be everywhere at the same time, and gives us good gifts, sometimes what we really need, but so often what we would enjoy. I also collect nativity sets and presently have 42, so am a bit pickier now about adding more, looking for more unusual ones and several from other countries given as gifts from family and friends during their travels. Some are child-safe and within reach of little hands, while more fragile sets are set up high, out of reach. When we see them playing with the sets, we remind them of the Christmas story and ask them questions to see how much was retained from the last telling. One of our Christmas goodies is a birthday cake, and we have a streamer saying, Happy Birthday, Jesus! Cindy writes, In Mexico, Christmas is not Christmas if there is not a hot fruit punch they make here. It is more famous than hot chocolate, and a piñata for kids as well as for all. Hi, this is Sharon, Shelley's mom. One of my sweetest memories is when I was a young girl. My two older sisters and I would lie down in front of the Christmas tree where there was a manger scene on Christmas Eve, and we would take turns telling the Christmas story in our own words. And then our father would read the Christmas story from the Bible. What a sweet, precious memory that was. I pray that each one of you will have a blessed and wonderful Christmas and that Christ will be the center of your Christmas. God writes to us in his word, the Bible. From Isaiah 9 and verse 6, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. As we all go about this Christmas season, 
I pray that we will let this child Jesus into our hearts, our homes, and our happenings. Until next time, look to the Lord, because it does matter. This is Shelley wishing you a very Merry Christmas.